This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. So glad to see you here today. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad to have you with us. One of the highlights of my week is just to worship with you here. So great day of that. I I pray blessings on you. I'm going to help some of you out real quick here, okay? Thank God your salvation isn't based off of college football. That's all I need to say, okay? You You can go ahead and breathe again, okay? goodness of God. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand. We'll go to Matthew 16 is where we're going to begin today. Once you get to Matthew 16, I'll fill in the blanks. We're starting a new series here, so it's going to be good. Each week we'll take a little different look, a little different view of the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus. What, What we find out in this thing called life is every advancement in the way people live came about because someone saw what could be and had the thought, I no longer accept what is. To say, you know what, I, I believe God's got to change. So we start here in the book of Matthew, if you're still turning to Matthew 16. Again, if you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. I'm going to paraphrase real quick to start here. In this passage, the Lord Jesus was hanging out with his disciples. And he said, hey, who does man say that I am? And some of the disciples responded, some Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a priest. Some say you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus looked at him and said, but who do you say I am? The million dollar question for every one of us that's in here today. But who do you say I am? Now notice he didn't say, who does your mother say that I am? Or who does your granddad say? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded and said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. Now, oftentimes religions of other sorts will say that Jesus is a prophet. Some say he's a priest. But the key there is, he's the son of God. And so Peter responds, you're the son of God. And Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Peter. So anytime we receive, we acknowledge, and we believe that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God, we come under a blessing. Now, if you've received Jesus as Lord of your life, you've come under a blessing. So we pick up this morning, and this will be our main scriptural text until the year of 2022, probably. I don't know that. I'm just saying. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, Jesus is is the foundation. He's the rock. He's the starting point. And, And the foundational part of every one of us is when you get born again. You will not grow unless you're on that foundation. That's a sturdy, that's a strong foundation. So when you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, you're on that foundation. Now, that's not the ending point, that's the beginning point. And too many times, I believe many, many people within our churches, they have the thought that salvation is the starting point and the ending point. But you're gonna find out today it's not. And so he said, and I will build 
my church. Jesus didn't say he would build our church or he didn't say that we would build our church. He said, and I will build my church. So wouldn't it be pretty presumptuous for us to have a vision of somebody else's church? It's Jesus's church. And Jesus always highlights what's important and significant. You know, the greatest resource in heaven will be people. People matter to God. And so the big thing about the Lord Jesus was when he says, I'm going to build my church. It's to see people born again. Do you know, in Luke 19, verse 10, it said, I came to seek and to save the lost. That's still, that's still priority for Jesus. So what would happen if the church began to major on the major? And he ends in verse 18 and he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The power of death, the forces of hell won't prevail against my church is what the Lord Jesus is a guarantee. No matter how bad it looks, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So I will tell today, that the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus, it still has significance to this day. And it's gonna have significance until he comes back. And I highlight all this because the Lord Jesus, he paid a huge price for the church. Now, turn back with me just to your left to Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine, and just as you're turning there, a couple thoughts just real quick is... You know, if you're a scholar in the Bible or you love to, to study the Word of God, in Revelations 2 and 3, the Lord Jesus wrote to seven different churches. And each church, he was concerned about their spiritual condition and their spiritual state. That was heaven's great, great view right there. What's going on with the church? The great view wasn't the stock market. It wasn't global warming. It was the condition or the state of those churches. Jonah, in every one of those seven churches, Jesus ended all, every letter with this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when I say that, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to, to look out about here today. Every one of you in here got ears. Some of you got big old fat ears and some of you got little skinny ears. And Every one of us have ears. So the issue wasn't if you have ears. The issue is what are you doing with what you hear? And so we jump to the book of Matthew chapter 9. And we start in verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, and from there he was leaving the area of Capernaum. Many believe that was Jesus' hometown. And it goes on to say, and Matthew was sitting at the tax office. And Jesus said to him, follow me. So he rose and he followed him. It's interesting how many times that Jesus would tell people, follow me. Follow me. You know what he highlights by saying that? This thing called a walk with God, it's just not a one-time deal. It's not just a Sunday morning deal. He wants us to walk with him all the days of our life. So he tells this man named Matthew, he says, follow me, verse 10. Now it happened as Jesus said at the table in the house that behold, 
many tax collectors, and I believe he's going to say many sinners too, but he says many tax collectors. Now, we must understand in their custom or their time, tax collectors were viewed as disreputable. They, they were viewed as the scum of the earth. They were hated. They were despised. And it says here that many tax collectors and many sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. You know who the sinners were? They were the nobodies. Now, it's interesting, the Lord Jesus, this is who he associated with. When I read into this, guess what? He was talking to me and you, tax collectors, sinners. I think about this passage right here, and here's the thought that jumps real quick. Where would you be at right now if Jesus wasn't your Lord and Savior? I have some thoughts about my own life. I would be one of two places. I would be six foot under. I'd already be in the grave. Or I'd be incarcerated right now. Does that describe you? And I get, I get real appreciative to what Jesus did for me. Ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 11. And when the Pharisees, the couldn't sees and the wouldn't sees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Better stated, why does he eat with the scum of the earth? Now, when I read this about these guys called Pharisees, I wonder how many times there's people in our world that aren't born again because you are. What do you mean by that? When we become very religious, when we become very judgmental, when we become very critical like the Pharisees, that better than thou. I, I, I know so much more than you do. Ooh, when we start going at people, guys, Jesus takes notice. Verse 12, and when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, the physician goes where there is a genuine need. Thank God Jesus still goes to the sick spiritually. Verse 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire the kiss of mercy. Think about this. The word mercy is literally, I don't get what I deserve. And so the Lord Jesus said, I, I want you to learn mercy. Mercy is defined as compassion. Mercy is defined as, as, as sympathy, as kindness, as love. And, and the Lord Jesus says, I want you to learn mercy. 
Freely you've received mercy, freely give mercy. And he said, I desire mercy above sacrifice. In other words, I would rather you understand what it is to be merciful to human beings than you to live like you're better than everybody else. The old statement, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And this is what the Lord Jesus said. Isn't it interesting? He said, this is what I want you to learn is mercy. Mercy. We don't get what we deserve. And so when I read this again, I, I would do really well in life if I would major on the major. Just follow what Jesus says. Now, go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. We're going to dive in here a little bit. What I'm going to do the upcoming weeks is I'm going to give us a thought about what Jesus talks about the church each week. And so here in Acts 11, just just incredible passage of Scripture that I believe will enlighten every one of us. So we begin in verse 19. Acts 11 verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen... Now, just real briefly off that, that's Acts 7. This man named Stephen was preaching the word of God, and the religious didn't like to hear it. So they said, let's just kill him. Let's stone him to death. So this is what this is talking about. And so they arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. They preached the word only to the Jews in Antioch. Now, Antioch is one of those words that when I went to Jerusalem, I was corrected. It's really not Antioch. You know how it's pronounced? Antosha. Boy, I butchered that one bad. So today, it's still going to be Antioch, okay? We're just going to call it Antioch. If you want to call it Antosha, the Lord bless you. Verse 2. But some of the men, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene. These were unnamed and unknown men. Now pay close attention here. Who when they had come to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists or Gentiles or better stated, these Greeks. And look what they spoke to them. Preaching the Lord Jesus. What would happen if we would major on the major? They would preach on, on the Lord Jesus right here when I read this. Now watch what takes place. And the hand of the Lord was with them. The power and the presence of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So I begin to see the highlight of the church in Antioch is this, that we got to preach Jesus. We got to preach the word to people. We can't get off the preaching of the word. And then the number one thing that I begin to see here is Jesus has always been about evangelism. He's always about the heart of getting people born again. We can never stop the, the Luke 19 oil that Jesus said, I come to seek and to save that was lost. The people of the world. 
And so it's incredible here what he says here. They believed, a great number believed, and they turned to the Lord. And that's it. They got born again, and that's it. That's all you got to do, and that's it. No, there's still more to this. Verse 22, then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem got ears of what was taking place in the church at Antioch. And they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. They said, Barnabas, you got to go there. Now, let me give you a little insight on this place called Antioch. Antioch was a, a center of cult and pagan gods, of witchcraft of sorcery. But yet there was a church that was planted there in Antioch. Why would you plant a church where it's the center of pagan gods? Because the church is still light and without light, darkness is gonna start taking over. And we begin to see this not only globally, but we see this in America. How many have ever been to a city? Man, you go into it, you sense how dark it is. Thank God the church is still light in a dark world. So they sent Barnabas. Verse 23. And when Barnabas came and had seen the grace of God, what did he see? He saw people getting born again. He saw how they had preached Jesus. He, he saw the evidence of God's grace. He saw a little bit of heaven right here on earth. He witnessed the grace of our living God. And he was glad. And he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. They should hold fast to the things of the Lord. Now, Here's the thought on that. How many times do we hear people preach, all you gotta do is give your heart to Jesus and that's it. Once you give your heart to Jesus, you can live however you want. If that was the case, why did he encourage them? You gotta continue with the faith. Hebrews 10, 39 says this, don't draw back to perdition. Don't draw back to destruction. There's a strong warning in there. So watch what he goes on to say. For Barnabas was a good man. Now watch how the Bible defines a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Man, what a compliment. I don't know if you would view that as a compliment. I mean, if someone said he's a good man, you'd say, well, how's he a good man? Woo, he's got a great job. He's very successful in this world. But I think one of the greatest compliments could be, man, he's full of faith and he's full of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what was said about this guy named Barnabas. And so he goes on to say here, and a great many people were added to the Lord. A great many people. And sometimes we don't even celebrate when we have one person born again. A great many people were born again. Verse 26, or verse 25, then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now remember, Saul is Paul. 
And Barnabas was saying, I, I gotta get Saul, I gotta get Paul, I gotta get him back to Antioch. I gotta get him there. And so Paul comes back to Antioch there. Now watch what takes place in verse 26. So it was for a whole year they assembled with the church. That's, that's Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake the assembling together. Do you know something happens when we come together as the body of Christ Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? You know what that something is? When we become united and we come in one. Do you know Psalms 133? In a place of unity is where God commands the blessing. So when we come together as the body of Christ, one will put a thousand to flee, two will put 10,000 to flee. Something happens when we come together, we assemble together. So they assemble together for a whole year. Now look what happens. And they taught a great many people. They taught a great many people. Again, it wasn't just getting people born again. They said, you know what? We gotta get the word of God in them. You get God in people. You get the word in people and you get God in people. And when you get God in people, things begin to change. Do you have an appetite for this book? You desire to say, man, Lord, I, I welcome the truth. You know what? I welcome you to pray. I ask you to pray. Pray, pray for pastor on Sunday morning. Father God, give that genius some, some revelations like never before. Give him some God thoughts like, I welcome your prayers. Within this book is buried, you're gonna have to dig. You're gonna have to get in the word, stay, have an appetite for the word of God. Love the word of God, treasure the word of God. When you come in here on Sunday, say, Holy Spirit, you know in, in uh, John 16, the Lord Jesus said the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of truth. He'll lead you and guide you the truth. Ooh, I, I welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me truth. Open the eyes of my understanding. Let the word of God come alive to me. So he teaches the word of God. And a great many people and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The first time they had ever been called Christians. Now, when they were first called Christians... This isn't in a complimentary way. This was uncomplimentary. It, it was bad they were calling them that. But it didn't bother them a bit. Now, I, I want you to hang on to this thought that Barnabas said. Continue. We, we must continue with the things of God. Turn with me to Hebrews 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. I'm going to give you some more God thoughts real quick here. Hebrews 2. Continue, continue, continue with the things of God. Day by day. Hebrews 2 verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. We, we must give all the care, more careful attention to the things we've heard. This is a letter to the church. This, this is a letter to believers, okay? You know why I say that? We must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. The world hadn't heard the gospel. 
It's, it's to the people that have heard the word of God. Now, within this is a strong, strong warning. We must give earnest heed, uh, uh, an eagerness. With, I got to give heed to the things I've said. Well, I've heard. Why? Lest we drift away from what has been spoken. Lest we drift away from what has been spoken. Now, within this world, all around us, day by day, is this thing called a drift, and it's pulling at you day by day. And when you think about a drift, a, a drift is not these huge undercurrents that are just yanking you. It's, it's very slow and subtle. It, it's like this drift he's talking about. How many of you ever spent time on a lazy river? What do you gotta do to get around the lazy river? Absolutely nothing. You just crawl on that little inner tube and you sit there and before long you start going around that little circle. This is the same drift that I believe he's warning us about right now. There is an undertone from the world that is pulling on us day by day by day. And it's trying to get our attention. And it tries to pull you away from the things of God. And so he's saying, you got to give the more earnest heed to these things. In other words, hold fast to the kingdom of God. Hold fast to the word of God. A bulldog faith. You know what a bulldog faith is? I'm not letting go. Grip it. Verse two. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast. That's all Deuteronomy 33 is what that's talking about. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, it proved firm. And every transgression, and transgression, remember sin, every transgression and disobedient received a just reward, a just retribution, or a just penalty. So you know what he's telling us? We're going to get a just reward. Stuff's going to happen. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Mark 16, 20. God said, I'll confirm my word with signs falling. I believe God still does that. Nobody else does, just pastor, okay. Verse four. God also bearing witness with both signs and wonders, with miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. Every bit of that mentioned there still happens. Still happens. He's still the God of miracles. I was around a guy this uh, a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. We've been talking for a little while, and I was leaving where he worked. Man, he he came out of the, his business like lightning. <laughs> he was screaming, "Wait, wait, wait! I got something to tell you." And I said, "What?" And, and he held up this sheet of paper, and I said, "What is that?" And he said, it's a miracle. And I said, what is that? And he said, the district attorney has completely pardoned me. Now, this guy was incarcerated. This guy had done time in the prison. And he said, look at this. And I said to him, I said, that's, that's a miracle. That, that is a miracle. 
And he said, it's a miracle. And he said, God, God has been so, so good to me. And I realized right there, it was a miracle. God's still doing miracles. Everything in the natural said, you should never be pardoned. Actually, they probably should have put a gun between them. You know, Jesus, good, because you're going to see him real soon. I'm just kidding. Okay, relax. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 6, okay? Genesis chapter 6. Now, as you're turning there, the Word of God is non-negotiable, okay? In 1 in Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul said this, In latter times, many will depart from the faith. They will get away from the word of God and they will listen to false doctrine and they will listen to false prophecies or deceiving prophecies. A, a strong, strong, strong warning. Now, we have this thought. Man, life is gonna go on like it always has. It's very easy to get caught in that thinking, but the Lord Jesus said this in Matthew 24. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the second coming of man. Better stated, exactly as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the second coming of man. The second return of Jesus, how was it in the days of Noah? They were eating, they were drinking, and they were given in marriage. Nothing inherently sinful about any of those things. The problem is, is Father God is no longer part of our agenda. There starts becoming a drift and that drift continues to pull us to the things of the world. And then you know what it says? And the flood came and destroyed them all. Now I want you to look here in Genesis 6 and you're gonna see some of the drift that I believe is taking place right now. Genesis 6 verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Here's a thought for you. Do you think or do you believe the wickedness he saw on the earth in Noah's time was greater than it is right now? We just call it different things. We've labeled sin a little differently. He goes on to say, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Oof. Verse six. And the Lord was sorry he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Better stated, because man was steeped in evil, they were twisted in their thinking. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made them. Now, the reason God says this is because mankind never fulfilled the aspiration he had for him. Broke God's heart. Why do you say this? Because history is going to repeat itself. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the second coming of man. You got to be strong with the things of God. Verse number eight. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Was there a lottery and God pulled his name out of that and said, oh, good old Noah, he won. Watch verse nine and it'll answer some of this. This is the genealogy or the family tree of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect, blameless, or have integrity in his generation. Now let me just stop right there. That doesn't mean Noah was without sin, okay? But the last part of verse nine, now mark this right here, this is great. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. In an ungodly environment. In an environment where the world was just pulling and pulling, but yet Noah walked with God. Why would Noah have walked with God? I believe Noah had the thought, this, this world is not gonna infect me. And it goes back to this thought here too, that in this world, when we live, we're either being influenced or we're influencing. And so when you study this passage here, uh, God, he gave Noah 120 years and he said, you keep warning him. You keep, you keep telling him, I'm coming back. I'm gonna flood it. And instead of drawing and heeding to the word that Noah spoke, they drifted and they drifted. Verse 10, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Here's another thought. Do you think the violence in Noah's day was even close to the violence of our day? Why do I highlight that? Because we're in the last of the last days. And I know people will say, well, I've heard that all my life. Well, you're closer today to Jesus' return than you were yesterday. That's a deep thought. Verse 12. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Now, when I read this, this is, this is the thought that jumps in me. I believe a lot of these people that became corrupt, sometime in their life they had walked with God. I, I don't believe Noah and the eight that made it on the ark, uh, Noah, his wife, and their three sons, and their wives, I, I, I don't believe they were the only ones that ever walked with God. I believe there were others that had walked with God. But the pool of the world began to pull. How many of you have loved ones right now that you saw they walked with God and now they're so far away from God? There, there's a pool. That doesn't mean it's not, a, if we'll pray and stand, but again, there, there's this pool that's happening again, that's strong, this drift, and that's why Barnabas said continue. That's why I believe the apostle Paul said in Hebrews 2, there's a drift. Verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. They became so ungodly, they forfeited their right to exist. 
heard this not long ago. That if God doesn't judge our society the way he judged Sodom and Gomorrah in Noah's days, he'll have to apologize to those people. There's a drift, guys. So what I see within the the church is we got to continually preach the gospel. We are light in darkness. But not only is God's desire that we evangelize, God's desire also is we disciple. We we allow the word of God and, and the things of heaven to raise up disciples of Christ. See, God in saying discipleship, God doesn't want you just to go to church. God wants you to be the church. God wants you to be his hands. God wants you to be his feet. So again, you see the the heart of God and and we can never get away from the word of God. And I, I, I encourage all the generations but the young ones. When I see young generations, I, I don't have a problem saying this at all. You guys are tempted with stuff that I, I never was tempted with. The, the stuff you are being bombarded with. I thank God social media wasn't around when I was young. Oh my gosh, that would have been a death warrant for this guy. But even though the increases of this world, man, they're moving rapidly. Hang with the word, okay? Stay with the word. I don't beg you, but I plead with you. Stay with the word of God in these times. Why don't you stand on your feet here with me? the goodness of God, the church. Gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So right here on a Sunday morning, we go back to how we started. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? See, I highlight that again because only in your heart, on the inside of you, you can answer that. If today was the last day on the earth, where would you spend eternity at? I'm, I'm I'm not preaching fear here, guys, okay? I'm just reality. Because that flood snuck up on them. They didn't ever think it happened. And so today, you may be viewed as a tax collector. You may be hated. You may be viewed as a sinner. But the Lord Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And if if that's you today, where if you had to stand before the Lord Jesus, what would your response be? I can tell you mine right now. I'm, I'm into heaven. I'm going to heaven because Jesus is Lord of my life. I believe with all my, he's Lord of my life. I'm, I'm a son of God. And, and I've, I've stood right here before and I've said to people, if you died and left this earth today, where would you spend eternity at? And they would say, I, I don't know. 
That's not a good place to be. If you said, Pastor, if you die today, where would you spend eternity? I'd say, I'm, I'm heaven bound. Don't feel sorry for this dude. He's out of here. Hostile is on you. I'm gone. And, and that doesn't come from being a religious person. That comes from having a relationship. They said, Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for what you did. I acknowledge what you did. I believe what you did. But even more so, I receive what you did. And if that's you today, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. I, I welcome you today to come forward. Just, just boldly step out of your seat. Is there anybody in here like that today? Well, I'm, I'm holding on. I see you coming. I believe there's more of you that to do. We got to get busy. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on. We welcome you. Come on, guys. Come down. You keep your head up high, okay? You know, I used to a lot of times say every, every head bowed and every eye closed. Now I say every head up and every eye open. You know why? The Lord Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So, whoo, this is a good day. Yeah, we celebrate. You know, the Bible's very clear that says that when one sinner gives their heart to Jesus, heaven erupts, the angels go crazy. Bunch of wing flappers going on, you know. Maybe we ought to get a revelation of what heaven does. I, I celebrate you guys. I'm, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. <laughs> Anybody else? It's a good day. It's not too late. Say this with me, guys. Would you put your hands on your heart? I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. If you're watching by live stream, this may be you too today. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you today as a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I've blown it and I've missed it. And I ask you today to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me. And I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you on September 26th of 2021, Jesus became Lord of my life. Yeah, let's clap just a little. Clap. Good day. I, I don't know if you've ever had anyone say this to you. I'm proud of both of you. Bless you. It's a big deal to me. My trophies in heaven are people. Now this time I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. If you're here today and there's been a just a drift upon you, you you've drifted. 
you've, you've gotten away from the things of God. That I, I, I need a fresh touch. Father God, I need, I need a fresh anointing from heaven. I, I need something to stir within me. If, if that's you and you know you've, you've drifted, it seemed like I'm, I'm halfway around the lazy river of life. You know, Jesus welcomes us back. And if that's you today, I'm, I'm just going to open up these altars. They're getting ready to sing and play here. But I, I welcome you to come down. And if, even the area of drifts, I've, I've lost my appetite for God. I've lost my appetite to praise and to worship. I've, I've lost my appetite to pray. I was around a man the other day. And I said to him, I said, do, do, do you pray anymore? And he said, no. You know what I said to him? I said, you sit in that chair and I'm going to come around there and I'm going to lay hands on you. And remember the apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to stir up those gifts within you. And I laid hands on him. I said, in Jesus' name, birth that of a prayer warrior. Birth that as a man of God. Birth that, Father God, that we're going to walk with you today. I don't want to just go through the motions. I just don't want to play church. I need something from heaven today. And if that's you, as they begin to sing, I welcome you down here. And if you're part of our prayer team, I welcome you. Come down here and lay hands on. Let's stir up heaven in here today, okay? Go ahead. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.